Hello and welcome to episode 40 of The Complete Works, season 3, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Michelle Yeoh. My name is Mike Smith and joining me on this journey into the Yeoh-averse is my friend, co-host and fellow psychopath, Mike Tricio. How do you do, Mike? I'm doing just great. You know, last week we had our almost first ever lost episode with some technical difficulties and then uh, <laughs> today it's so hot. Your microphone stand melted, basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you're referring to last week, uh, which was our, uh, the I guess as of this recording, you're talking about the Flash episode. The Flash uh, episode. Basically, I don't know the, Gar- the Guardians episode was the one that just came out. The Flash episode, which was, of course, our review of The Flash featuring Nicolas Cage for all of 15 seconds. There was a, a stressful period where uh, I was editing the Flash podcast, and then about 30 minutes in, Mike D's voice just dropped out. He was gone. <laughs> I had nothing left to say. In protest, <laughs> the recording stopped listening. Exactly, yes. Uh, and so I had to contact uh, Kyle, who uh, kind of helps us edit our podcast and also does our music and whatnot. Uh, and he said that he got the file, and the file was, I guess, corrupted or whatever happened. Like Whatever you sent to Kyle wasn't the full file or like somewhere lost in transit. Uh, but in any case, you were able to send it again. It was all fine. Yeah. <laughs> Google's AI ate half of my recording or whatever. I don't know what happened. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, so your recording made it. It was fine. The flash episode came out. And then, yeah, as we were about to record today, uh, my mic stand just fell. Uh, <laughs> and I discovered that, uh, it's so hot in my, in this room right now, but also just in my house. And in general, it's like been 95 degrees in Montana for like three straight weeks. It's been awful. The glue that was holding my mic stand up melted and it just fell and I couldn't get it back. (laughs) It's gone forever. Um, rest in peace, mic stand one. Yes. So I am, uh, I'm using a different mic now because even though the microphone that was attached to that stand still works, I couldn't find a different stand to, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that would fit that. So I'm using my old, uh, Yeti microphone that, uh, if you are a long time listener of this podcast, uh, you might recognize the, the tinny sound coming out of this Yeti microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Yetis are fine. They're good. No, Yetis are fine. Yetis are fine. This is solid enough. Uh, the other one was a little bit better, but this one uh, will do the job for this week. Uh, yes. For sure. <laughs> uh, and this week we are returning to the realm of television as Michelle Yeoh becomes a part of one of the most enduring TV franchises of all time, Star Trek. Mike, are you a Star Trek fan? Uh, yeah. Broadly speaking, I think, um, you know, I think we talked about maybe a little bit at the end of last episode, as much as like a nerd and all that as I am, sometimes there's a, br- a bridge too far, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can't get all the way on board with Star Trek. It's just too much. <laughs> it's too intense. It's too scary, too intimidating. But that said, all the stuff that I have seen, I do kind of like. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've always flirted with being a Star Trek guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I had a period in college where I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a Star Trek guy. I'm going to watch it all. Uh, which is, you know, there's a lot of Star Trek shows. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was like, I'm going to start from the beginning. I'll watch the original series. And I've seen episodes of the original series before. Um, I've seen a few of the classics. There's stuff I really like. I saw the Tribbles episode one day when I was uh, a young lad and enjoyed that. Uh, the City on the Edge of Forever is a great episode, all that kind of stuff. But uh, Star Trek, the original series especially, is like a difficult one to just sit down and watch from the beginning because it's like, you know, it's the 60s and it's and it's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> It's like people uh, that are like really into Doctor Who. And you're like, that, no, no, you're that not. was the one that's a bridge too far for me. I've never tried to get into Doctor Who. <laughs> I've watched some of the more modern stuff. I think the when whatever Christopher Eccleston came on, like whatever doctor that is, I don't know. Uh, and that's pretty fun and that's pretty cool and, and sleek and modern. But seeing random episodes of stuff from the 70s or whatever, you're just like, no. Everybody yes. stop pretending. Exactly. So Star Trek at this point has been around for 50 plus years. Uh, the original series aired in the 60s, and then it was revived as a film series in the late 70s that ran through the 80s. Uh, that gave way to The Next Generation in the 90s. And then a few more shows followed that, which included Voyager, Deep Space Nine and Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise was the last of those shows, and it was canceled after four seasons, ending in 2005, uh, at which point Star Trek was rebooted for a new movie franchise, uh, spearheaded by J.J. Abrams, which resulted in 2009's Star Trek, followed by Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond. And while the first one was a big hit, the sequels kind of failed to deliver to the studio's expectations and audience interest kind of started to wane. There were rumors once in a while about a potential Star Trek 4 
Remember when the rumor was that uh, Quentin Tarantino was supposed to direct Star Trek for Mike? I do remember that. Yeah, I think we talked about it at length on uh, on Film Bookcast back in the day. We must have. <laughs> there was nothing else to talk about back then. Yeah, but uh, that never materialized. There was also talk. I don't know if it was supposed to be the Quentin Tarantino version, but there was talk about bringing Chris Hemsworth back because he was in the first Abrams Star Trek as Kirk's dad in the prologue to that movie. Right. Uh, and it would have been like a whole like time travel, little alternate universe kind of thing. Yeah, got to get that Thor bucks i guess or whatever essentially yeah that's uh, you know hey here's a big star let's bring chris hemsworth back um yeah yeah, i I, of my star trek knowledge those are my primary like entry point like i've seen those three movies and you know i'm not saying i know them pretty well but i've seen the first one a couple of times and really enjoyed it saw into darkness once and thought it was not great uh and i did enjoy star trek beyond also saw it once but i enjoyed it in theaters and thought it was a fun time yeah, I'm pretty similar. My uh, an old roommate of mine in college uh, was a big TNG fan, and uh, she used to she watched I think all of it, maybe once or twice or over the year or two that we lived together. I don't really remember. So yeah, I watched you know a handful of episodes at a time every couple of days or whatever while she was doing her rewatch. Uh, so like I, I do I do really like uh, the Next Generation, but it's also like a '90s TV show that you can tell is sort of barely held together. Uh, and if you've ever <laughs> just been homesick and you flip onto BBC America on any given day, there's 20 episodes on in a row. <laughs> so yes. uh, so I've watched it in that kind of context, and uh, it's it's pretty fun. I like I have so I have like you know a little bit of a nostalgia thing or whatever I guess for that time of my life and the Next Generation. Um, but other than that, I haven't really watched any of the other series or anything. Fair enough. Uh, But about a year after Star Trek Beyond came out, which was 2016, uh, CBS was in the process of launching a new streaming service called CBS All Access, which does not exist anymore. Classic. (laughs) Uh, That gave way to Paramount Plus about two years ago, became Paramount Plus. Uh, And when they launched this new service, most of what it was selling was the back catalog of CBS programming. But they did create a couple of new shows to draw people in. And the first of those shows was a new series set within the Star Trek universe, the first Star Trek show in over 10 years. And since Michelle Yeoh is in it, we've got to talk about it. It is time for Star Trek Discovery. born from chaos. The world doesn't always adhere to logic. Sometimes down is up. And sometimes when you're lost, you're found. Klingon Empire has been in disarray for generations. We've encountered them. We have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. Captain, incoming! is the essential process of all existence, Commander Burnham. You must challenge your preconceptions, or they most certainly will challenge you. What the hell is going on on this ship? Run! We are creating a new way to fly. Hurry. I'm getting very close to. You're mad. I'm mud. You chose to do the right thing. Being the great cost to yourself. You helped start a war. Don't you want to help me end it? So Star Trek Discovery was originally set up with cult favorite TV writer Brian Fuller as the showrunner uh, who used to write on Deep Space Nine and Voyager uh, before creating his own shows like Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies and Hannibal. 
Uh, and Fuller was actually the one who conceived the show as a prequel to the original series, which is what this first season is. It takes place 10 years before the original series does. Okay. Uh, however... If you're a TV fan who has followed Brian Fuller's work over the years, you might know that he has had a horrible track record with keeping his job. (laughs) Um, uh, His shows either get canceled, they never get off the ground, or he leaves them early. And this was a situation where Fuller left the show early. (laughs) Uh, He left it early in the first season's development so that he could focus on show running American Gods on Showtime, uh, a show where he was also replaced after the first season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think that got canceled after the second season, if there even was one, right? I think it got to three and then it was canceled. Okay. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, from what I understand, the show has changed a lot over the course of its five season run. And the fifth season of this show is not out yet. It's coming out soon and it's going to be the last season. Wow. Uh, apparently, season two of the of the show and, you know, spoilers ahead. Again, I have not watched any of this except for the two episodes that we watched for this episode. Uh, apparently, season two has the Discovery traveling 900 years into the future, completely abandoning Fuller's original concept of the show taking place 10 years before the original What series. if we just go as far away as possible? Like, we need to drastically reinvent this is kind of what uh, I think the thought process was. Uh, so today we are talking about the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, which were originally released as one two-part pilot, uh, the first of which is called The Vulcan Hello, and the second is called Battle at the Binary Stars, and Michelle Yeoh appears in both episodes as Captain Philippa Georgiou, and uh, though she has appeared throughout the series, Michelle Yeoh never been part of the main cast, and here she is credited as a special guest star. Yeah, I, I remembered hearing something about her role in these episodes and, like, you know, whatever they do with her character later on. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into, but I was saw like the with special guest star Michelle Yeoh, and you're like, ah, okay, so this is gonna be it for you, huh? <laughs> so she's not making it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, in fact, most of the main cast of the series, uh, which includes Sherrod Latif, Anthony Rapp, Mary Wiseman, and Jason Isaacs, uh, they are not in these first two episodes of the show. <laughs> no, but Doug Jones is. Yeah, Doug Jones is there. <laughs> That's fun. Love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the post Brian Fuller showrunners um, sort of viewed these first two episodes as a prologue to the series. And the real pilot of the show is episode three. But Michelle Yeoh is not in that one. So we are not talking about it. It's really <laughs> like a 18 part movie. You know, it's really- right. Exactly. Uh, so the only main cast members that are in these two episodes are Sonica Martin-Green uh, from The Walking Dead. She plays uh, Michael Burnham and Doug Jones as Saru, covered in face prosthetics, as Doug Jones often is. Yes. Even on a TV show, <laughs> he can't win. Credited writers for these episodes include Brian Fuller, Alex Kurtzman, who is a producer of the show and co-writer of the Abrams movies, uh, Akiva Goldsman, producer of the show and screenwriter of films like A Beautiful Mind and Batman and Robin. Uh, and Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts, both of whom had worked with Brian Fuller on previous shows. First episode was directed by David Samel and the second by Adam Kane, both veteran TV directors. And the IMDb plot synopsis for Star Trek Discovery reads, 10 years before Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise, the USS Discovery discovers new worlds and life forms as one Starfleet officer learns to understand all things alien. Uh, and so for these two episodes, that really doesn't apply because we're not even on the USS Discovery yet. Uh, right. All I can think uh, about was like, man, they love, I guess, in Star Trek doing a prologue that's disconnected from the rest of the show. Yeah. Is that, is that something that they've done in other uh, I don't know. I really actually, you know what? The original series actually does do that now that I'm thinking. Oh, about really? It. Oh, yeah. Because the first episode of the show, I don't think has Kirk in it. Uh, it's the Captain Pike episode. It's, oh, uh, yeah. It's like Captain Pike is like the the and that and that was meant to be like, that's the pilot that got the series to order. But that's not like actually the first episode of the show. Kind of right. thing. Uh, but I remember when I first watched it, when I got into my like, I'm going to get into Star Trek, baby. Uh, I watched that first episode and I was like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> um, it was like Captain Pike. Spock was there and maybe a couple other cast members were kind of scattered throughout. But uh, yeah, it was like the Captain Pike show. Uh, and then I think he dies. I want to say. I think in most versions of Star Trek, Captain Pike dies because he's he's Bruce Greenwood in the Abrams movie and he dies. And he right? dies. And I mean, I guess that's just, you know, the the formula, quote unquote, always the wink and the nod to the original series, if that's how that starts. Uh, yes. Although but, I know now there is a Star Trek show called Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is about Pike. Anyway, this takes place 10 years before the original series. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So uh, Pike, not a factor into this at all. Or maybe he is in the background somewhere uh, rising through the ranks uh, that's right. in Starfleet uh, or whatever. Um, but yeah. 
yeah, so we watched the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery for this podcast. Neither of us have watched any of the rest of the show. I think we had kind of talked about having a, a guest on who may have watched Star Trek Discovery, but I think just timing wise, like I think we just couldn't figure out the scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> scheduling. Uh, and so, yeah, it didn't work out. But we haven't seen the rest of the show. We've, we're only going to be judging it on these first two episodes. And we'll talk about what we read is happening specifically with Michelle Yeoh's character later on. But what did you think of these first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, Mike? Um, these first two episodes are pretty fun. I mean, they are a self-contained story for the most part that kind of, you know, uh, you can tell like would springboard the rest of the season and, and not knowing that it's 10 years before the show, the original series, I assumed it was way later because they keep talking about how long it's been since anyone's heard from the Klingon empire. Right. And I was like, wow, that's such an interesting thing. Like I know Worf in the next generation is like is a Klingon who's on the Enterprise anyway. Um, so I was like, wow, this is like we've gone in, in way into the future to the point where people don't remember the Klingons anymore, um, not realizing it's supposed to be all before <laughs> we right. are introduced. To like them. before the Klingons even emerge kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the other way around. Um, so I guess it makes sense they go 900 years in the future in the later se- seasons. But yeah, it's it's pretty fun and it's cool. It's actiony. It does make sense that there is a connection um, with uh, Kurtzman, right? Was there f- from the... Abrams movies. Yes. Yeah. Alex Kurtzman is a producer of this show. And then also, yeah, co-wrote the two J.J. Abrams movies. Right. Okay. Because it does aesthetically look a lot like what I remember the J.J. Abrams movies looking like. There's lots of lens flares, lots of uh, camera moves, lots of uh, Dutch angles, all that stuff. Um, Because I guess you do have to do a lot of trickery to make a static set look like the bridge of a ship right you got to do a lot of stuff but it's cool it's exciting it's fun it's it's really sleek um i am surprised it doesn't look as bad for how cgi heavy it is for a network streaming show that it could have like you know we talked a lot about (laughs) that netflix effect with marco polo and uh my god it's too hot to remember words (laughs) crashing tiger hidden dragon 2 sort of oh yes 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 uh, to remember and, and that how even though that movie had a pretty big budget you might think uh, we assume um, it's one of the first like kind of Netflix original movies but like a lot of times you can tell it's just dudes in an empty room at the green screen right yeah. um, and this this show kind of manages to avoid that look even though that's obviously what it is <laughs> they're not you know uh, show with all the space stuff but it's cool it's exciting it's fun it has the inherent cool sci-fi discovery thing going on where you're like hell yeah we're learning new stuff we're meeting what is this weird alien race about these guys are prey animals what does that mean yeah uh, you know that's fun uh doug jones rocks the cast is pretty cool michelle yo is awesome uh so yeah I had, I had a fun time and it's i think 90 minutes or whatever for the two episodes or like 120 or not 120 uh 80 minutes or something like that for the two of them combined so if you watch these two two things as a movie basically uh you have, have a pretty good pretty good time Yeah, I think it's a fairly breezy watch. I did enjoy it. Uh, It is, uh, you know, I I actually did want to watch this show when it was coming out. Like, I remember when Mm -hmm. Star Trek Discovery was announced, I was like, hey, cool, new Star Trek show. This could be like, again, I've always been like flirting with being a Star Trek guy. I was like, this could be my entry point into the Star Trek universe. You know, I could get into it through this. And then the show, I think, was originally conceived as a CBS show, like just to air on CBS. And at some point they were like, no, we need to use this to launch our streaming service, CBS right. All Access. Uh, so I remember these first two episodes actually did air on CBS, but then the rest of it was all on the streaming service, ah, All Access. It was kind of a way to like draw people in so they would sign up for the service and then they could get Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and so I think I DVR'd these episodes. And then when I found out that it was going to all be on CBS All Access, I was like, Nah, like, <laughs> I'm not yeah. paying for one show to check out, you know, a show that I'm not even sure I like yet, you know, like, yeah, but all <laughs> the Big Bang Theory, Mike. Um, I mean, that was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was this and The Good Fight were like the two big things on CBS All Access, uh, which The Good Fight was the spinoff of The Good Wife, which I've heard The Good Fight is fantastic. Um, I never even heard of it. Really? Okay. I, I've heard nothing but great things. Uh, I mean, I've also I've also heard The Good Wife is great. Uh, yeah. And never watched that. Uh, so. <laughs> it's got big parents energy, you know? Um, sure, yeah. But I, I think uh, of all the CBS shows, like The Good Wife and The Good Fight were like the ones that were like, oh, man, these are actually really good. Like, you know, yeah. I think CBS had like an, ener- like a, an energy about it, that, like a, a reputation of being like, this is a channel for old people. Like oh, it yeah. was, you know, very much like, okay. Like they were the ones with CSI, I think, right? Like they had all the CSI shows. That sounds right. Uh, you know, they had the CSIs and they had the NCISs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the Big Bang Theory and Two and a Half Men and all that kind of stuff. Just, yeah, not not the greatest stuff. And I, I'm also referencing shows that have, like, ended years ago. Like, yeah, here, I haven't might watched have, CBS in such a long time. <laughs> they might have all the FBI shows now, I think. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, yeah, all the Chuck Lorre sitcoms were right. uh, CBS shows. Yeah, all, all that stuff. Um, but Star Trek Discovery, I think, does a solid job in these first two episodes of feeling like, you know, a sort of vital, like, you know, fun entry point into Star Trek. Um, but it's also, I, I know, you know, Star Trek purists um, aren't a fan of the J.J. Abrams movies or maybe even the style of the show because it's like, ah, oh, it's too actiony. Like, it's too, mm. it's Star Trek, I think, at its core, and I think what people like about it the most uh, is that it is really about exploration and discovery and, like, you know, just kind of, like, you know, boldly going where no man has gone before. It's not necessarily about, like, a big space battle every week kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the stuff that's going on at the very beginning of this episode where they're, like, wandering through the desert, that's the right. shit that most of Star Trek, from what I've seen, is more like. Yeah, and that's, I think, what most Star Trek fans really want um and i think when jj abrams of star trek came out it was very much like hey, we're making star wars but yeah, it's oh, star, yeah. star trek uh and i remember when jj abrams was hired for star wars i was like he already made one like he already made a star wars movie it was called star trek yeah <laughs> like, like it already happened um so yeah it was uh you know i think a lot of trek purists aren't a fan of that necessarily and i like the 2009 Star Trek movie, and I like Star Trek Beyond, and was you know I thought it was pretty fun these first two episodes. Um, but I think I think a lot of Trek fans are like kind of on and off with this, with Discovery. I think they're kind of like you know hit or miss in, t- in terms of how the show has gone, and it's gone for four years now. It's coming back for a fifth season, and like I said, that will be the last one. But they are working on spinning that off. Also, they're uh, you know they, we've talked referenced this in the past, but uh, Michelle Yeoh is going to theoretically be in a spinoff movie based on this show, which um, is interesting considering that. She dies. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh's character dies in this uh, in the second episode of the show. I knew about that going in. I was aware. And I think actually that was a reason why I another point against me not watching the rest of the show when it first uh, aired Mm -hmm. uh, was because I found out, oh, Michelle Yeoh is like, I was like, hey, Michelle Yeoh's in a Star Trek show. This is great. Uh, And then I found out she dies the second episode. I was like, well, okay, that's that's kind of a bummer. (laughs) Um, But I I think they maybe realized what they had in Michelle Yeoh and uh, the producers actually kind of developed a way to bring her back. Uh, And so for those who don't know what happens to Michelle Yeoh in Star Trek Discovery, basically at the end of episode two, uh, she is killed by the Klingon that uh, they are fighting. uh, Takuvma is his name that basically like sets off like an intergalactic war between Starfleet and the Klingons. And it's all Sonica Martin Green's fault. Uh, yeah. Millions of people are going to die as a result of her actions in, the, in these first two episodes, Classic. Uh, which, which is what she was trying to prevent. I think she has like some kind of vision about like, you know, people like dying in the future or something like that, specifically Michelle Yeoh. Like she references that a lot. Like she's like, I'm trying to save you specifically like that. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's some like weird Vulcan mind meld tel- telepathy thing going on that they sort of just gloss over and assume you know what's going on because it's a Star Trek show, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Which is fine. Yeah, I mean, the the way they kind of set it up is that she is a human, but who has been raised on planet Vulcan. And so is... Right. Is that was that yes. the idea behind her character? OK. Uh, and so she is human and has like, you know, the emotions and stuff of human. But because she was mostly raised on Vulcan, uh, she's pretty logical. She's she's pretty deep into the logic aspect of, yeah. <laughs> of it all. Uh, and so the second episode has kind of a flashback where you kind of see her entering the ship for the first time. Uh, and it's clear from the beginning that she and Michelle Yeoh have a sort of like, you know, paternal relationship. Like Michelle Yeoh is like a mother to her kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, on the ship. And, so, and she's been on the ship for many years. Uh, and so Michelle Yeoh's character dies at the end of episode two. And then it seems like, well, that's it. Uh, because, again, we don't, we don't know really what happens in the rest of the show. Uh, but episode three seems like it's the real pilot of the show. This is like a prologue. Uh, and so with Michelle Yeoh dying and uh, Michael Burnham, uh, Sonica Martin-Green's character, going to jail uh, and like stripped of her rank and stuff like that's how the episode ends. Yeah, she's uh, court-martialed. Yeah, yeah, she's court-martialed. And then, so it's like, well, OK, so I, I am curious to watch more of it and see, like, how does she get out of this? Because she has to be on a ship or something. It's Star Trek, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the show has to continue. Yeah, I was, I was pretty shocked at that ending because I assumed it would be kind of thing that like they were going to reconcile before Michelle Yeoh's death. And like, that's why she becomes captain now. That's exactly what I yeah I thought she was going to like take on the rank of captain and like she would be surrounded by the new cast of the show. Like Jason right. Isaacs would be there and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But instead, she gets sentenced to life in prison. <laughs> cut to credits. <laughs> I was just like, this is a pretty cool movie I just watched. I'm not going to watch the rest of it, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it is a pretty pretty wild cliffhanger, I guess, for for us to end this two episodes on. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been kind of like back and forth, and like maybe I should watch more of this. Like, just you know, it was pretty you, good. You stole the fir- the whole first season for me. At least I can do is maybe watch a couple. More watch a few episodes. more. Give it a strike back <laughs> chance. Watch five. Yeah. <laughs> strike back's chance. Uh, yeah, I, I might uh, consider like I you know if I have a little bit of extra time, I might consider watching a little bit more of it at least, uh, especially because I do want to be like kind of caught up when the Michelle Yeoh spinoff movie comes out. Uh, yeah, know, I try. I did try thing. to uh, try to read her character's Wikipedia page, but it's just too much because it's Star Trek. And I was like, none of these words make any sense to me. So I kind of uh, gave well, up. So good luck explaining it, Mike. I'm going to run that down right now. So, uh, yeah, here's what happens to Michelle Yeoh in the rest of the show. It sounds like she is a recurring character, never main cast, but she's recurring uh, and she kind of pops up again, I think, in this season, uh, but then is in there. Pretty prominently, I think, in seasons two and three. Okay. Uh, and she had, was not in season four. She's kind of written out of the show in season three. Uh, Georgiou, Philippo Georgiou, killed, to hand, killed in hand-to-hand combat by Klingon warrior Takuvma in the aftermath of the Battle of the Binary Stars. That we've seen. Yes. Uh, later in season one, the mirror universe Georgiou is introduced, oh. uh, which is a concept that has existed in Star Trek for a very long time. You know, like an alternate universe uh, where everything is just darker, you know, the darkest timeline kind of thing about, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so her official title in the mirror universe is mother of the fatherland, overlord of Vulcan, Dominus of Quonos, Regina Andor, Philippa Georgiou, Augustus, Iapanis, Centurius. Uh, and in this universe, she is the ruthless emperor of the Terran empire and adoptive mother of that universe's Michael Burnham. Uh, so yeah, she's like an emperor in the mirror universe basically, and has to play with that. Uh, that sounds pretty rad. <laughs> That's pretty cool. If there's anything I've wanted Michelle Yeoh to play, it's like a space Caesar. That's pretty cool. Right? Yeah, that sounds great. And then she is brought over to the show's prime universe by the prime universe's Burnham. And then later joins section 31, which is like a, a secret agent cabal within Starfleet sort of thing. Wasn't that the secret team they're on in strike back? Section 31. Hold on. <laughs> uh, you will have to look for that. But Section 31 has existed in other Star Trek things. Okay. Uh, and according to Wikipedia, it is an autonomous intelligence and defense organization that carries out covert operations for the United Federation of Planets. That's pretty cool, though. So they're like 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 secret agent special ops people. In Star yeah, Trek. they're spies. They're, That's they're awesome. spies. Yeah, sounds cool. And then Section being, 20. I was so close. Ah, man. Just just 11 sections away. Damn. Uh, and then after being transported into the future, because like I said, the show moves 900 years into the future, uh, she begins experiencing deterioration and agrees to allow the Guardian of Forever to send her back to a time that she can survive in. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah there you go. And so basically that takes up like seasons two and three of the show. Uh, and that's like at the very end of season three when she gets sent back. Uh, and so when that happens, like that's basically Michelle Yeoh being written out of Star Trek Discovery with the idea originally that she was going to spin off into her own series. Like it was going to be her own show. I think if I was a producer or writer or showrunner or whatever in the machinations of a TV show and I accidentally killed Michelle Yeoh off in the first two episodes of my show, I would panic and go to any contrivance I could to figure out a way to get her back on my show. Um, So I absolutely understand what they're doing. Yes, 100%. And so the idea is that they were going to spin off Michelle Yeoh into her own series because they were like, hey, we got Michelle Yeoh. She's great. She's killing it. People love her on Star Trek Discovery. She's like a big reason for people to watch it. Uh, Let's spin her off, do her own thing. And so the idea was, yeah, after the third season, uh, they were going to uh, develop one, but then production of it uh, was delayed because of COVID. That was like 2020-ish. And then, yeah, they were still kind of having conversations about a year later. Um, But, you know, Paramount Plus was getting launched and they were like trying to figure out what like CBS All Access wasn't existing anymore and Paramount Plus was coming in. So there's a whole lot of like behind the scenes machinations about like what was happening there. Uh, And then Michelle Yeoh blew up, man. Uh, You know, everything ever all at once comes out. Suddenly she's like a super bankable movie star now. Uh, Not that she ever wasn't, but like, you know, her profile has raised significantly in the last couple of years uh, with Crazy Rich Asians and uh, everything everywhere and winning the Oscar. Uh, And so now. She's too busy to do a TV show uh, is basically what they they waited too long to lock Michelle Yeoh down for a spinoff series. Uh, and now she doesn't have the time to commit to a TV show. But it sounds like they are going to do a spinoff movie, which is going to be a Paramount Plus exclusive, like a streaming movie, not going to be in theaters or anything. And that movie is called Star Trek 
Section 31, uh, which they describe as Mission Impossible meets Guardians of the Galaxy. And that sounds great. That sounds cool, but that means nothing. Um, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be cool. You know, the one the one um, thing that I was pretty excited about, it's pretty minimal towards the end of the second episode. Michelle Yeoh does get into a sword fight in this. And I was like, oh, thank God, at least they got, you know, you got Michelle Yeoh in a show in, in Star Trek fighting a Klingon. At least they have a sword fight. Uh, yes. And it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, it's as minimal as a Star Trek sword fight is, but uh, it's not like that at the end of Marco Polo with that pretty awesome fight scene. But right. At least they got something, you know? Exactly. Uh, yeah. What did you think of Michelle Yeoh in the Star Trek Discovery, Mike? Um, I think she does a really good job. She this is kind of, I think, sort of like the platonic ideal of the, the late 20 teens Michelle Yeoh era. You know, she's the kind of elder. She's the captain, right? She's the one in charge. She's the the, the, the figure of authority. And she gets to dispense some cool wisdom. She gets a little bit of an action scenes every now and then. Uh, and it's and it's fun. It's cool. It's a big ensemble thing going on, of course, with Star Trek. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't think it's the best or anything like that. But this is sort of all of the pieces that we've seen uh, for all of the last you know couple episodes or whatever for Michelle Yeoh coming together into one thing. Uh, and it's that her as the captain of a starship in, in, in uh, Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it kind of continues the trend we've sort of seen where like, hey, TV has kind of given her an outlet to really put a spotlight on Michelle Yeoh with right. Strike Back and Marco Polo and now this. Uh, and I think even though she's not main cast, I think she's clearly like the most interesting character when the show starts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Her, <laughs> you know? her and Doug Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like Doug Jones. And I like kind of the animosity between Sonica Martin green and Doug Jones uh, yeah. throughout these first two episodes. And it seems like that's going to be something that the show kind of deals with going forward. Uh, and I like the idea of Sonica Martin green's character. I think there's a lot of good ideas in these first two episodes. I don't think they, they fully coalesce for me. I think partially it's that a lot of time is spent with the Klingons uh, in these first two episodes. Yeah. Uh, and so you're watching these like, you know, dudes in makeup and that's fine. But you're watching these dudes in makeup speaking these like made up language for like entire scenes. And it's just not like super compelling, <laughs> compelling no. to me. <laughs> no, say, I uh, hard, hard agree. And that that's sort of like get, given that the Trekkies like the the juice for them, I guess. I don't know. Like, you know, they, they yeah. want the Klingon language, which is like a fully developed language, which is insane. Uh, yes. And then, and, you know, it's good. It's diving deep into Klingon lore and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, man, this is like whooshing right over my head. And I know there are subtitles. I can understand what's going on, but I'm not even like paying attention. Like I, I can't even, my eyes glaze over when I'm reading the subtitles. Like I can't really, like, I yeah. don't know what's happening. <laughs> I, I don't care about whatever council meeting this is because we just yeah. watch another council meeting with actors I care about and characters I'm kind of interested in, uh, on, on the starship side, uh, on the Starfleet side. And then here we are having this thing about whatever prophecy and as foretold light and all blah 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 and you're like okay all right i don't care about who yeah. this guy is he's a he's not of pure blood okay cool neat i guess or whatever and then big big start big battle which is which is pretty cool it's a pretty cool battle you know yeah yeah you get some fun star starship action which is neat uh yeah. and you get i mean you get like you know this cool action beats uh throughout these two episodes i think when uh, there's, there's a great moment, I think, in episode two where uh, Burnham has been locked in the brig uh, yeah. because she keeps doing things that like deserve like she deserves to be locked in. the brig. <laughs> yeah, she, she, you know, knocks Michelle you out with the Vulcan pinch thing. Yes, she does the Vulcan neck pinch and then cuts to the commercial. And it's like, oh, shit. Uh, I remember that. Um, but yeah, when she's locked in the brig and she kind of like out logics the computer um, into letting her escape. Yeah, uh, I like that scene a lot. And I liked that. It's just an insane like. Uh, okay, you have to release the airlock and shoot me into space for like six seconds so I can go into the other airlock or something. Yes, direct connection to Sunshine. <laughs> yes, yeah, very, very directly. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's a reference to Sunshine, but it, de- it definitely feels reminiscent of it uh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention the, the scene right before that because as you sort of talked about, um, this this show, at least and these episodes too, are a little bit more action-y than maybe traditional Star Trek stuff is. Yeah. Um, and I feel like pretty violent. Like there's some like, well, at least there is blood, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and the scene right before that, when uh, she's in the brig and, you know, they're being attacked and the ship is like taking a lot of damage. And one guy, one of the officers from the bridge, like comes to the brig and he's about to let her out. And the the, the hull is breached and he just gets shot into space and you just watch him float away. Um, I was like, holy shit. Star Trek isn't allowed to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And I think that was also, I think when the show first premiered, a little bit of a point of contention with Star Trek Discovery uh, is that, uh, you know, most Star Trek shows aired on either like CPS or UPN or whatever, right. like, you know, a, a broadcast network. Uh, and this one didn't. This is the first streaming Star Trek show. And I think 
Uh, they had a little bit more freedom to get a little more violent. I know there's a few episodes where they drop an F-bomb uh, yeah. here and there. And I that doesn't happen in these first two episodes. But I thought about that watching them. Like, it feels like it would be really out of place for somebody to say fuck in the Star Trek episode. You know, like, this seems wrong. That would seem wrong to me. Like, I, I would get why people would be, like, upset by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I was watching, um, I think I mentioned on uh, Mike and Mike Go to the Movies that me and my friends in the Discord have been watching uh, Community recently, and we we finished it. We watched the sixth season, and in the very last episode, they start saying fuck a couple times. Yeah, like twice. They yeah. say it twice, and uh, yeah, the dean says, like, well, isn't your brain of it? Like, kind of fucked up. Uh, and my friend, like, had to pause because he was laughing and so shocked uh, that at the end of the very last episode. Yes. Um, so I feel like that's what would happen if, if they started saying fuck in Star Trek. <laughs> Um, be crazy. Yeah. And, and at least in that community example, like they saved it for the last episode yeah, of yeah, the show absolutely. and it like plays as its own like sort of meta joke in its own way. Uh, here it just sounds like they just like casually throw in a fuck every once in a while. That's hilarious. Uh, just so weird. And like Star Trek is like, you know, it's a pretty family friendly show. Otherwise. Yeah, it's like dudes holding calculators shaped like guns or whatever, whatever they were using <laughs> as props, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, all that. Uh, so th- that whole thing is, is a little weird. And that just made me think about how out of place that would seem. Um, but yeah, but the show is somewhat violent. I mean, it's usually against, you know, aliens and stuff. So it's <laughs> it's yeah. not like, you know, people are getting killed, although they also are. That's, that's, all, that's also part of it, I guess. I guess that's Brian Fuller, right? You know, he's Hannibal, all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. Which I, th- I think Hannibal, I mean, that aired on NBC. Um, but I think that and I've never watched Hannibal. I've heard it's great. But uh, I know that was like a show that like really pushed the limits of like what you could do on a broadcast TV show kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard the the, the one story that I think Brian Fuller or whatever in interviews and stuff has re- references with how dumb and silly some of the censorship rules is there is a tannable, you know, serial killers. Right. And there's like people, it's like a two, a couple like with their back flayed open or whatever. And uh, they're yeah. naked and you can see their butt cracks. And that was the note from the censor. So they just filled it in with blood. That's so you couldn't actually see like the crack of their butt. <laughs> and it, that was fine. Um, so I don't know. That's the thing that stands out to me about Brian Fuller's sensibilities, I guess. Um, so yeah, anyway, Star Trek Discovery is like kind of violent, I guess, as far as a Star Trek show goes. And I guess uh, I, I even thought like like Paramount Plus CBS All Access or whatever, like that they would still hold it to like, like network, network standards. standards. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess why would they? You're paying. Well, whatever. I don't know. It's just strange. Yeah. I mean, it's it's technically like it's a pre, it's, you know, streaming services like a premium cable kind of thing. So right. uh, you don't. It's it's a weird case where like you don't have to censor yourself because you can just kind of do whatever. Um, but there are certain shows that just like it would feel wrong <laughs> if you did it a yeah. different way. <laughs> Arrested Development's an example, uh, which was on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, or the first three seasons were on Fox, and then seasons four and five were on Netflix. Uh, and I remember the first three seasons, whenever somebody would swear, they would bleep it out. Right. Uh, like, and it would always be a thing. And they would use that to f- funny effect because the bleep was always funnier than just the actual swear word. Uh, and then in season four, I think they kept bleeping it because they were like, it's funnier to bleep it than it is to not bleep it. Like, that's yeah. truly like that's and the thing. And then I think in season five, they stopped bleeping it. And truly, it was funnier when they bleeped it. I think I can't remember. There's another show that's similar to that uh, that had that effect where like. If you watch the streaming version of it or whatever, it's uncensored. But if you watched it when it aired, oh, sure. it was sent. Maybe it's Archer or something like that. I don't. Yeah, remember. I mean, a lot of those like like Family Guy would always be like a show that was like, um, you know, when, if you watched it on Fox, it was censored, and then on Adult Swim, it wasn't kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so, I don't know. Censorship's weird. Jokes yeah, are, Ar- but yeah, Ar- Archer is probably the same thing. Rick and Morty, I think, does the same thing yeah, as maybe well. Rick and Morty, yeah, Michelle Yeoh and Star Trek Discovery. What a performance! Yeah, I think she's really great in these first two episodes. And one of the things I realized about myself watching episode two is that I really enjoy seeing people sit in a chair and confidently give orders to people. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) absolutely. And that's, and that's really what the core of Star Trek is all about. Uh, and, and which is why I've always flirted with being a Star Trek guy. Michelle Yeoh gets that moment, uh, in episode two when like, okay, you like you fire on the Klingons, you like bring up the shield, like whatever. She like gives away, gives all the orders and points to people and gets to sit down in the captain's chair. And it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. It's just an undeniable authority and power, uh, to Michelle Yeoh in general, always, um, and then when you put her in a cool uniform in a captain's chair yelling orders at somebody. You're just like, this rules. Um, yeah. So that's been, that, that was fun. And, and absolutely, like we've talked about before, if I accidentally killed Michelle Yeoh out of my show, I'm, you know, I'm very interested to see, and she comes back as an emperor. That's awesome. Um, yes. 
So I would be I I would be interested to see how that all connects and what what's going on and what 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 she's doing in the prime verse or whatever they call it. Um, the mirror universe. Well, yeah, but she comes to this one. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She comes to our universe. Comes yes. to the prime universe. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It's it's new. Star Trek is cool. And I know and I know some of the other ones, Strange New Worlds and Below Decks or whatever the hell they're called. Uh, yeah. Right now, there's uh, there's Lower Decks, which is like the cartoon right. animated series. Um, that's like a kind of a parody of Star Trek, uh, which I've heard is pretty good. Uh, there was also Star Trek Picard, uh, which was the continuation of Next Generation, which just ended like after yeah. three seasons. And now there's Strange New Worlds, which I think is in season two. I want to say maybe that's the weird thing. There's like three, three or four Star Trek shows that have been happening simultaneously. They're, they're all like buried on Paramount Plus. Like They're yeah. all just stuck over there. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely I've yeah, definitely starting to um, feel the effects of the, you know, heavily segmented. Uh, nothing is promoted content air quotes. <laughs> Uh, version of all these streaming services and stuff, of course. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if, if you're into Star Trek, there's stuff out there for you to go to go watch. And I've heard it's pretty good. Some, a lot of my friends enjoy them. And I think I remember seeing that the two leads from uh, Lower Decks, like, crossed over into live anime, like, live action uh, on Strange New Worlds, which is pretty fun. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like, those two characters, with, like, and their voice actor, like, whoever voice acts them, like, showed up in live action on strange new worlds, which is pretty funny. They're having some, some goofs with uh star Trek. They're getting a little loosey goosey with it, which is, I guess, neat, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it looks like strange new worlds is actually a spinoff of discovery, which I didn't oh, realize. Interesting. Um, apparently, uh, Anson mound who plays Christopher Pike on, uh, strange new worlds, he shows up in discovery first and he leaves after season two. And that like kind of sets right. up strange new worlds. So yeah, he, he comes back and then you have uh, Rebecca remain in that show as number one and Ethan Peck as Spock. Uh, so yeah, sure. but I think, but I think uh, those might be the only like original series characters that are on strange new worlds. Uh, oh, Uhura's on it. Hey, there you go. That's cool. You got You got Uhura. So I guess they come back to the, that was before the 900 year time jump, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's the season two finale where they jump ahead and it sounds like the last time you see Pike in discovery is in the season two finale. So I guess he just doesn't jump ahead. He's, he's stuck Look at that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's that. Yeah, I would be here. I mean, it's so weird that like Star Trek, like it's it's journey from like, you know, cult classic TV show somehow got revived into movies. Really, it became a movie franchise because Star Wars was big hit in 77. And I think Paramount was like, we own Star Trek. People like those reruns. Let's bring this cast back and let's do a movie. Yeah. Uh, And they ended up making like five or six movies with that cast. Uh, And then next generation, look, those movies kind of led to next generation, the TV show. And that was a big hit. uh, And that led to several movies with them. Uh, And then it was like three TV shows that like, you know, I think Voyager and Deep Space Nine definitely have their fans. I think. Uh, I think Deep Space Nine is actually supposed to be really good. That's Enter- what I heard. I, th- I think Deep Space Nine is like the secret good one from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's the one that like really got serialized, you know, because uh, most of the other Star Trek stuff is like, you know, adventure of the week kind of thing. Like yeah. This, you know, ep- all that kind of stuff. And Deep Space Nine is one of the first ones that like, hey, this has seasonal arcs and like a long term <laughs> story yeah. that's going on. Uh, Next Generation has that. They might be like season long things, but I don't know if they have any sure. like, multi-season plot lines and stuff like that. But uh, okay. But yeah, that era, the 90s era has right. that kind of thing. Yeah, but I think with Next Generation, it would be more like how the X-Files is serialized, where it's like yeah. every once in a while, here's something that goes towards a larger story. But like 90% of these episodes are like episode of the week, you know. Yeah, here, on this a is planet. What, yeah, exactly. I think Deep Space Nine is the one of the first ones that's like really tightly like it builds and builds kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then Enterprise, I've heard, is not that great from what I understand. Like it's... Yeah, I mean, it ran for four seasons and was canceled and whatever. Um, but then, yeah, they made the movies again. And it seemed like after that first movie came out, that was a huge hit. Like, yeah. pe- people were really into it and seemed like, OK, Star Trek, it's a movie thing again, baby. And then uh, two movies, la- like two movies later, it's like, oh, OK, fans aren't people aren't liking these anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they're not doing as well. And I think there's such a weird uh, like obsession with continuity without the whole like across the entire franchise as a whole, like. Right. Having all of the characters like and, and Leonard Eboy is in the the Abrams movies, right? If I remember correctly. Yes. So the the other one the Abrams movies are like a separate timeline, the Kelvin yeah. timeline. Um, but they interact with Spock from the prime timeline, who is Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> right. It's a whole, th- it's a whole thing going on. It's what, is what I was getting at. Uh, it's yeah. like that, you know, to the, to the, no- even for us as nerdy and weird as we are, it's still a barrier to entry <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for us to, to get involved with the Trekverse. Um, 
So I don't know, maybe one day, maybe some of these more modern shows, like maybe Strange New Worlds or something, uh, could be something to like jump in on and be like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Let me go watch Discovery. Oh, this is pretty cool. Let me go watch whatever. Um, yeah. And go back to worse and worse thing, <laughs> things, yeah. I guess. Yeah, but that's it's sort of what it feels like with uh, with Disney and Star Wars right now is that, hey, this was like, you know, one of our greatest movie franchises. And right. now it's a franchise that mostly does streaming TV shows. Like what happened? Where, where, where was the yeah, <laughs> like like what? Where did you go wrong here uh, is essentially kind of how it feels. Uh, and with Star Trek, it's like, hey, you had three movies. They each one made less money than the previous one. And now we have like four Star Trek TV shows on right. Paramount Plus uh, and Disney and Star Wars. The same thing. They made like five movies in a row, like, you know, within the span of like four years. And now there's like four Star Trek TV shows that are on go or Star Wars TV shows that are ongoing on Disney Plus. And yeah, I, I think it's it's hurting the the idea of Star Wars a little bit. You know, Andor's good. I like Andor. <laughs> I like Andor, neat, I guess. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet, but I know I saw this whole season two is in paused, obviously, with everything on strike. And yes. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I and I did like. I mean, I like the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. Uh, I still haven't actually finished season three. I got halfway through it, and I was like, "Man, this kind of sucks." <laughs> uh, I will go back to it at some point, but just just out of like a completionist sake sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really enjoying it all that much. Uh, there's a new Ahsoka show coming out next month, and it's like, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like I like Ahsoka. I got nothing against her, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I forget who else is in that that I was like pretty excited. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in that? No. I think she is actually, yeah. Yeah. There was uh, a couple of casting people that I was, or casting announcements. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Too bad I'll never watch it. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just burnt out on everything Disney Plus, basically. Good for them, you know? <laughs> yeah, good for them over there. But that's none of my business. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, but it is kind of a, a weird parallel where Star Trek and Star Wars have always, they haven't always coexisted. Star Trek actually predates Star Wars on TV. Um, but, you know, Star Wars as a movie franchise helped launch Trek as a movie franchise. And the two have like coexisted in different forms since then. Uh, and now they're both kind of in a similar space where they're not really viable. I'm sure Star Wars would be viable as another movie at some point. You know, I'm sure people will go see a new Star Wars movie uh, if they ever decide to actually commit to making one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is a, it a, it a weird place right now where they're like, they don't really know what to do with it as a movie franchise. So we're going to make a lot of TV shows. Yeah. And, the, you know, it's the weird the weird thing that I never knew as a kid and probably never like really realized until semi recently how long Star Trek existed as a f- movie franchise without a TV show on like the yeah like the whole the, the entire 80s yeah like that they were just making these movies with no TV show going on uh when you like realize that as somebody that wasn't alive for that that era it was just like what the fuck what, what yeah. were they doing what was going Star- on yeah Star Trek was a show for three years in the 60s and then it was canceled right uh, and then it became like kind of a cult hit through reruns uh like people you know it's just one of those things that would be on all the time mm-hmm. and so when Star Wars was a hit it was truly like paramount like I don't know Star Trek like I guess we got to <laughs> do something <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, and they, and they were just, able to bring back the original cast and all that kind of stuff. It was a true uh, one of the true revi- It was a revival of Star Trek, basically, right. but as a movie. Yeah, and then it lasted for you know ten years or whatever before they started making yeah. other TV shows about it, uh, which yeah. is crazy. And then the first movie they came out with was Star Trek: the Motion Picture, which is one of the weirdest blockbusters in the la- like from what I've heard. Like it's like 2001: A Space Odyssey esque. Like it's just a weird like you know like those twenty minute scenes that are just focusing on like what the ship looks like, like that, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Just weird uh, shit. Yeah, directed by Robert Wise, director of West Side Story. Pretty wow. neat. Look at that. And and The Haunting uh, and many other classics. Um, and then, of course, like Wrath of Khan is like kind of the, viewed as like the gold standard of Star Trek blockbusters and the kind of blockbusters in general that summer of 82 where, you know, that that was a huge thing. And uh, yeah, search for like those like two, three and four are all kind of considered like, hey, these are like these are good. These are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one day I like one day I'll watch them. Bring it around. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing. I don't really particularly you know, if you haven't picked up over the last 45 minutes or whatever, I don't have it like necessarily necessarily have an affinity to Star Trek, uh, but I don't I don't not like it. I'm just not yeah. going to go out of my way usually. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird thing where I feel like some kind of affection towards it, despite never getting super into it. Yeah, um, like I feel it like an affection for like Leonard Nimoy as Spock. Like that's he's great. You know, like that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I've seen some episodes of the original series, but not all of it. And I've never watched the original movie. Yep. <laughs> uh, but for some reason, I feel like a, a lingering affection for it. And maybe it's because like, my dad was kind of a Star Trek fan, like that kind of thing. Like that might have something to do with it. It's just like I feel like I've absorbed enough Star Trek in my life without having actually watched a lot of Star Trek to kind of get into it. But 
yeah, yeah. just never never got into it. Pop culture osmosis is like a powerful thing. Um, that, yeah, yeah. I don't like. Yeah, I never saw any of the stuff that had Leonard Nimoy as Spock, but like. I love me some Leonard Nimoy Spock, I guess. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't really when know. he shows up in the Abrams movie, it's like, yay, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, which is truly, I mean, that Abrams Star Trek movie is truly a preview of what he was going to do in Force Awakens like six years later. It's Man. wild to like kind of watch that. I haven't seen it in years, but yeah, it's truly like, hey, let's bring back an original cast member to kind of advise the crew on what's going on here and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if uh, Star Wars had a sabotage secret needle drop. Would have been better. Would have been would've cool. Been r- uh, ruled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like that in because uh, it's that's in the first Star Trek where it's like Kirk on a motorcycle listening to Beastie Boys and it's like fuck yeah, this rules. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's very much like the scene in Futurama where like Fry is listening to uh, like Sir Mix a Lot. He's listening to Baby Got Back and Valila is like Fry, you can't just sit here in your underwear all day listening to classical music. You have to right. get out of the house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And that's very much like Kirk's just like, oh, I'm into 20th century Earth culture. So I like the Beastie Boys. I like the Beastie Boys and motorcycles. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then in Star Trek Beyond, they pay that off with that incredible sabotage uh, sequence, which rules. I was a big fan of that when I saw that in theaters. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, Michelle Yeoh is, is real good in, in yeah. uh, Star Trek Discovery. And the, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's it's cool to see it in like a it's Star Trek in like a glossy modern action kind of thing for me, at least I had fun with that stuff. Yes. Yeah. I think the show never really took off the way that uh, the creators may have been hoping as far as like, this is the full on Star Trek. Like this is, this is your new obsession kind of deal. Yeah. But I think, I think it has like kind of kept the Trek ship alive over the last few years uh, and uh, you know, helped spin off strange new worlds, which people do seem to be really enjoying. Uh, So there's that. Uh, How do you think this fits into the yellow roles that we've seen so far, Mike, besides sunshine? Cause you mentioned that one already. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, it's kind of just everything. Like I said, it's sort of like the platonic ideal for a lot of the more recent stuff that we've been seeing are in the position of authority. And I, for some reason, can't think of a single title. Uh, I mean, me. you know, the lady, perhaps. The, sure. Uh, the lady. Final recipe. No, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, final recipe, I think, counts. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, she's, yeah. The, she's the host of the show, right? Yeah. Guardians for some reason. I don't sure. know. Space. Space. Yeah. yeah hey, we weird, weirdly watching Guardians right before this. It's like, oh, a little a little taste of Michelle Yeoh in space, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if that's what she's like as like the Dark Emperor or whatever. If she's a little more goth and, and, and right. weird like she is in, in Guardians. That would be cool. I just wonder if she has like bangs over one eye, you know, like she's just like an emo person. Yes. I hope I hope that is the case. I hope it's actually just like the... Um, which I, the, I'm, I'm going to reference community, which I think itself is re- referencing Star Trek The Next Generation. But I really hope it's just Michelle Yeoh in a goatee. Like that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> that is a Next Generation reference, right? I'm pretty sure it is. Like, I think Evil Picard is like Picard with a goatee or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't know off the top of my head. OK, I know the the Dreamatorium in community is a reference to Next Generation. That's like the uh, the holodeck or whatever. Yeah, the holodeck, uh, where they, like, yeah. They recreate uh, all that stuff. Uh, that was like recreate scenes from like pop culture but it's like pop culture from our century and never like the stuff from hundreds of years in the future that we wouldn't know <laughs> no yeah they're like i mean the best episodes are the holodeck episodes for sure oh, yeah. um but yeah when they when there's one where uh they do like a 30s gangster movie and you're like this fucking rules this really yeah. like yeah of course they would uh and westerns <laughs> and stuff like that so yeah it's it's of course they don't reference anything from beyond the the late twentieth century, <laughs> right? Because we wouldn't get it. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. But it would be funny if, like, every once in a while, they're like, "Ah, yes, we're going to go from this era from the twenty four hundreds, and it's just like something insane." Yeah, uh, that would be neat. Any highlights you want to throw out there, Mike? Anything? Any uh, scenes that we haven't mentioned yet? If you want to uh, give a shout out to, I think just in general, the the relationship with the crew of the ship on the bridge is really fun uh like you said doug jones i think it's the science officer or one of them and uh he's his like species or whatever is was like bred to be cattle basically uh, right. i think he's what he says and that that conflict with uh michael burnham as a human like raised on vulcan where so like they kind of tried to teach the emotion out of her and make her all about logic and he's only about uh emotion and he has that like monologue talking about being bred as like a, a f- feed, you know, as food basically. Right. Yeah. His planet was just like hunters and hunted and his species was the hunted kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And he's only, he's been bred for one thing to, to sense the coming of death and I sense it now. And it's like all about emotional feeling and stuff. Yes. Uh, that's a fun dichotomy and that's cool. 
So uh, that monologue is great. Um, yeah. Also, he has my favorite line reading in these first in these first two episodes, which is when uh, he's like, you can't just destroy a planet on a on a whim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or whatever, like an entire species on a whim. Uh, he, he really emphasizes the H in a whim, and uh, yeah. that was very fun. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's neat. Um, and it was it was pretty funny, too, because they show, um, like I said, I thought this was, you know, I didn't realize that the timeline of it all in this episode and the, or this series in general. So when they find that, like, artifact in the debris field in the binary star system or whatever, and she goes out there, and I was like, pretty sure this is like a Klingon ship. <laughs> like if yeah. I re- remembering what it looked like in next generation. So then they're all like, what? We, we don't, we don't even recognize this. We've all un- like this un- uncontacted species. And I was like, what the fuck? What's happening with this? And then it's like, Oh, they explain that like nobody's heard from them in hundreds of years and all this. Right. Stuff. Um, so that was a neat little, little twist, you know, little experience for me. Definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, for me, I mean, what, one of the things that I was delighted by is that, and I didn't get to see him in these two episodes, but like there are like Doug Jones and Jason Isaacs. I didn't get to see Jason Isaacs. I didn't uh, know they were on the show. Yeah, <laughs> like, me neither. Yeah, true. I was, it was like totally like I was watching the opening credits and Doug Jones's name popped up and I was like, what? Doug Jones is here? And then Jason Isaacs as well. And uh, yeah, same thing. Didn't really know that he was on it. And it's just a weird thing where like, you know, as prevalent as Star Trek kind of is in the pop culture, this show specifically feels like, Man, I had no idea Doug Jones was on this show. I love Doug Jones. Why didn't I know he's been on Star Trek Discovery for four years? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like if there's anybody that would know that, it'd be you or me. Um, and right. Yeah. Neither of us did. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. Very weird. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I did enjoy the uh, the scene where uh, I, I liked that first scene with um, Michael and uh, Michelle Yeoh kind of just walking through the desert and kind of talking and stuff there. Yeah. They had like kind of a playfulness that I enjoyed. There's a moment where uh, she says to Yo, like, is this all, oh, is all this sarcasm really necessary? And Yo, like, kind of smiles, like, necessary? No, but it's very fun. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> and she gets to sit in her captain's chair and all that. It was, you know, that was very fun. Uh, yeah. And I think the scene where she does go and inspect the Klingon ship, and I like the way you can kind of see the, uh, like, she can only be out there for like 20 minutes or something before yes. uh, her oxygen runs out or whatever it is. Uh, but they have like the clock on her spacesuit, so you can always see how much time is left yeah. uh, on there. And so that the longer that scene goes on, the more time is like passed and you can kind of like, Oh man, look, is she going to make it back in time? And then she finally like encounters the Klingon on the ship and kills him. And uh, then sparks off the war. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Classic. Classic. Uh, yeah. Which, which I got to imagine the entire series is Michael trying to atone for her sins. Uh, yeah. Like for trying for accidentally starting an intergalactic war with the Klingons. <laughs> you would think. And yeah, and then I guess I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about Star Trek lore to know how that resolves. Uh, but I guess the show doesn't really care a whole lot because they skipped 900 years into the future. <laughs> so I guess they're kind of yeah. like, welcome to the this, this Federation. Bye. Whoosh, and they just vanish or whatever. Um, so, yeah, Star, Star Trek's fun, basically. Yeah, I, I thought these first episodes were solid enough and uh, maybe I'll continue watching it. Oh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anything's possible. Yeah, at, at least if I were to continue watching it, I feel like I would want to get through at least season three because that's when Michelle Yeoh leaves and I'll be set up for her spinoff. Uh, right. But yeah, one day maybe we'll return to the Star Trek uh, universe to talk about Michelle Yeoh and Star Trek Section 31 if that movie actually happens. I mean, who knows? Uh, when, <laughs> True. <laughs> but they have announced it. And Michelle Yeoh said she's doing it. So there's so that, that. There's 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 that. Um, you know, we'll see if strikes ever end, if the world isn't on fire anything you know right we'll see what's yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of factors that could play into that for sure yeah uh but yeah i think that's gonna be uh, it for this week's episode mike uh so yeah there's no letterbox reviews because it's a tv show so we can just move right on nice uh so mike d where can we find you online this week you can find me uh on twitter as long as it's still, i'm not calling it x just like hbo is not max and just like uh, Staples Center is not Sophie Stadium or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, right. You can find me on Twitter at MD Film Blog, uh, on Letterboxd on MD Film Blog. And uh, if you want to donate to support the show, you can do that at our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. And if you want to buy merch, we have merch available on our Redbubble, which is Mike and Mike Pods.redbubble.com. Yes. Also, Mike D's on Blue Sky now. I am on Blue Sky. I don't know how the names on that work yet. I don't remember because okay. it's like you pick an at. So it's at MD Film Blog. And then there's like a suffix they add to it, and I don't it's remember. It's like it's like dot b sky dot so dot social or something like that. Something like, like that. I yeah. pinned it out by Twitter page. Go to MD Film right. Blog on Twitter. 
find my blue sky. <laughs> <laughs> and if enough of you do that, maybe we can leave Twitter behind forever. It's yes, it's possible. Uh, you can find me online at uh, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter. Not on Blue Sky yet. Mike stole the code from out from under me. Got him. Got uh, in there, baby. <laughs> East Coast time zones. Yes, I was asleep, <laughs> asleep in my bed when Mike D took the Blue Sky code that was sent to both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, but yeah, M Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decree Show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Complete Works Pod. That's W R K S, no O in the word works. I wonder if we get a blue sky for this podcast, if we'll be able to put an O in the word. Oh, <laughs> interesting. The possibilities are endless. Uh, and you can find the rest of our podcast in Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen. You can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Mac V or at fearless guard on Twitter. Join us in the next week in the complete works. We're talking about one of the big pillars in the Michelle Yeoh revival, crazy rich Asians finally happening it's happening we're in 2018 we're getting close to the end of the series actually Mike. that's crazy and then she kind of does ramp up at the end uh you know so there's yeah like there, a little... there's suddenly like in 2021 2022 there's like a lot of movies that we yeah. <laughs> that we have to get through <laughs> but uh but yeah we're getting we're getting close which is crazy yeah. we got to start thinking about uh what we're gonna do next season yeah oh i've got some ideas i've, oh. I've, got, I've got some i've got some thoughts written down mike i wonder uh, if so. there's polls on police guy <laughs> Ooh, good question <laughs> yeah we might figure out another way to uh to poll the audience to see who season four is going to be about. Yes. Uh, but all right. Remember to check out our other podcast, Mike might go to the movies for all kinds of other movie related stuff, including recent releases, ranked lists, general discussions, and a lot more. So thanks so much for listening guys. And thanks for taking it. Yo. Yeah.